A kit type stuff from three or four years ago, and it's and they've really had to go to work to improve on what OEM shims, valves, and that kind of things um, would uh, suspension setups would be in off road. And so now Race Tech has has really uh, come a long way. So um, I know firsthand through uh, some of the through myself as a rider and through some of the uh, guys that are a little more. Um, accomplished than me that uh, race to, to say the least uh race tech has, has really come a long way so if uh if it's good enough for the guys in supercross it's surely uh good enough for all of us so i, I en- encourage everybody to check it out racetech.com all right we just finished up a conversation with uh the guy that won the daytona 200 kyle wyman he's uh he's talked he touched on that and uh his program coming up this year on the Ducati. We go now to Jeff May, another fellow who's been on the show many, many times, and we are excited to have him back. Welcome back, Jeff May. How are you? What's up, guys? How you doing? Man, we're better than... uh we deserve. We deserve, for better, sure. Better than we deserve. Fastest banker in America we're talking to, though. <laughs> no, the world, man. Come on. Fastest man. banker in the world. Get it straight, Doran. Fastest banker in the world. That was a heck of a good race. Uh, you were in with the lead group right to the end there. Uh, how'd, the, how'd the early part of the race go? We know how the end went, but the, the early part of the race, you were, you were right in there for the first uh, measurable portion of the race. Yeah, we managed to stay on the lead lap even with a. I had a stop and go penalty that the fans' choice guys didn't really cover. Uh, they did not because I watched it, I, and I wondered what happened actually. Yeah, we had a little we had a little incident where the front wheel wasn't quite out yet when the fuel guy went to put the fuel on. Um, one of the fuel, one of the guy on the back tire actually yelled clear, and we weren't clear, so the fuel guy went and dumped the fuel. And uh, they were still working on the bike, so that's a ride-through penalty. And they—I didn't even see it, but they called me on it. So I came in and did my fastest possible stop and go ever, and uh, <laughs> managed to only lose, I think, like twenty-something seconds. So it wasn't a bad in-and-out lap at all. But uh, that put me farther back, but I still managed to stay on the lead lap. And then with the crazy NASCAR uh, style finish there at the end there, it's uh, it's like, man, I got a shot at winning this thing. (laughs) It's pretty crazy. And it's not the first time we were we were just talking to Wyman, as Tony said. Uh, this isn't the, you've been at a lot of Daytonas, Jeff. Uh, as as American racers go, you've been there quite a lot. I mean, you've had this happen before, right? Maybe not this exact number of laps, but it's happened, right? Yeah, I mean, it's happened before, you know. And I, I thought about it for both sides, you know, for the fans' sake. I thought it was great. You know, as a as a racer, though, you're like, man, this sucks. I just rode 54 laps. You did what you did, establish your position. You got guys that got robbed, and you got guys that got handed a gift. But at the end of the day, that creates a whole lot of excitement for the fans. And, you know, our sport needs that. I think that's more important. And that is that's why we go racing, right? I mean, that's 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 why we are race fans, and that's why you guys go racing to, to uh, you know, to try to be the best in that situation, right? Yeah, you know, that's racing, right? Like, you say that even when we don't have a red flag and you fall down trying to win or something, or the guy in front of you falls down and then you win the race and you inherit it. So that's racing. Things um, happen. It's a gamble, and that's why we love it, because it's exciting and you never know what's going to happen. 
You never know what's going to happen. I'm just, I think back to years past, some of the crazy things we've seen at Daytona. Guys, spread eagle in the middle of the track to force a red flag. Guys doing flying drop kicks on the banking. There's, there's a laundry list of things that have happened at Daytona. It really is in my memory, and I'm not the oldest guy around. Uh, this doesn't even rank. It really is all that uh, earth-shattering. It's just the way the race played out, and it again, it does happen. Uh, it happens at the world level as well. I mean, we've seen. Yeah. You know, also, guys, they did the best job they could because it wasn't like a scenario where oh, they threw a red flag because you know this or that or you know, some, some bogus stuff. I mean, I think it was Jason Aguilar was laying on the racetrack. Yeah. It looked like he wasn't doing so well when I came by and he was in turn one. I guess someone said his brakes didn't work or he didn't pump his brakes leaving the pit stall and he smashed into the wall and flipped over into the racetrack. So, yeah, it was a necessary red flag for sure. Absolutely, and again, it's just the way it works out. It could be any racer, and every racer deserves the same privilege. Get help to me if possible when I need it. Exactly. You know, when I I can remember when I was like seventeen racing motocross, I did the same thing. I laid in the middle of the track and played because I went down right and. I was playing possum. I, I was. Uh, it's been done on TV before. I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you, it was done at Daytona on a live national broadcast. Uh-huh. A very well-known racer went down in on lap one or two, and nope, I'm not having this. I'm going to spread eagle here till they stop this bad boy, and uh-huh. I get back on the bike. And then what, run you, me over, and make it for real. <laughs> yeah. Well, then I ended up going on to win that local motocross race that I that got red flagged, and boy, were they mad. Uh, there's not a lot of that a good goes soccer on. Soccer player growing up, huh? A what? Good soccer you're a good player. Soccer player growing up, right? <laughs> it's all about the dive. Like all about the dive. Yeah, I never played soccer, but I'm. But I get the reference. <laughs> um, I don't like soccer, man. You like soccer, Jeff? I hope you're not talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> no, man. Sticking ball sports aren't my thing, man. Yeah, me neither. I'm, I think I'm the only. I played soccer quite a quite a lot, actually. I played it at the college level. I played at the in the U.S. Army, and uh, really, I enjoyed it. It was, uh, but I hated diving. So I really coaches didn't like me because I wouldn't dive. I wouldn't take a dive, Jeff. Yeah, I, re- I respect the athleticism of it, but. Uh, you know, personally, it's not my thing. Um, you finished point uh, two one three seconds, um, or, or the Wyman finished point two one three seconds ahead of second place, and uh, only one point two six oh six seconds, one point two seconds ahead of sixth place. It was. It, my point is, is at the end, it was it was a pretty awesome few laps to watch. It had to have been pretty neat from your perspective. Yeah, I mean, it was anybody's game from from my vantage point. Um, for me, I just didn't have the steam for some reason. I don't. I uh, I had another incident in the race. I got my fairing got smashed in by a, one of the big cones in the chicane. I don't know who it was. One or two guys in front of me kind of came together in the middle part of the race, and one of those cones got flipped up, and it was three foot tall, like orange traffic cones. It came flying at me at about 140 miles an hour there as I grabbed the fourth gear and uh, smashed the whole left side of my fairing. And So I don't know if there was some aerodynamic stuff going on or what, but I had no problem with those guys in the bank or the infield, but when we got to the banking, they just started pulling away. And 
I, I realized that I had no shot because it's it's all about that draft to the line at the end. Because I was right, I think I was right on dead on the wheel of Sean Dillon Kelly coming out of the chicane, maybe a foot or two off of him, and ended up getting second. Yeah, how how crazy is it that kid, that kid is insanely fast for what he's sixteen, right? Yeah, you know we 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 see that the guys that have spent time over in Europe, Gagne, Cambubier, you know all those guys that got that opportunity at a fairly young age. You know it's uh, it's a much more aggressive crowd over there, and I tell you what, man, it does wonders for a rider's career and their ability. No, no doubt. He's, he's set the record for the youngest, not to take uh, anything away from anyone else in the race, you included, Jeff. But, I mean, some interesting things happened. That, you know, they just added to the story that was this year's Daytona 200. Um, again, you've been doing this long enough. It, I really think that, I mean, it feels like the Daytona 200, although we know it never went away. It really feels like it's kind of come back, had a resurgence as a, as a race of importance or a race that talented and, and uh, you know, relevant motorcycle racers are taking part in. I think it's great. I mean, what do you think? Uh, are, are teams still leery to let their, you know, their fast guys go race this because it's not a points paying race? I don't think that's it. I think that a lot of them are very, very focused on their season coming up, and it's more of the inconvenience factor that it's the first one. Um, and you pretty much throw the engine away after that race. So that makes it really hard to go into a season and have to basically do all this work in the off season and then junk the motor after one round. Um, and there's a big cost to it. Daytona is expensive to go do. And I think that's why some of the bigger teams are a little more adverse to go because the big money was never made by the purses by the big teams. The big teams are always supported by the manufacturers and their big sponsors. Uh, being that that race isn't part of, you know, say Moto America and with their new program on Fox Sports too, it doesn't make as much sense for them. Whereas you have some of the mid-level teams or other teams, they can find a way where it does make sense financially. You're starting to see all those guys come in and go, huh, and I can get a piece of that pie. Because, you know, if you're on a Yamaha, like Kyle Wyman, I'm sure he came out of there, you know, close to $40,000 in his pocket, uh, Daytona Rolex watch. Um, that's a really good payday. That's that's the best payday you're going to find in North America. What's that watch worth? I, I asked him, and he said it wasn't for sale. But I say give it a week or two, maybe. <laughs> Wait till he doesn't have a ride one day. We'll find out what it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know that you can. You can't buy the exact one they give these guys, but I'm. It's I, 15 I, G's enough. I bet I'm I sure. can. Well, yeah, I mean, I guys mean, like Scott Russell and Miguel Dohamo have five each. Right, sure. they <laughs> I'm not saying I can, but I'm saying somebody can buy that exact watch. It, it may not be me, but somebody's got deep enough pockets. I, and it's super tacky to ask at this point, but I went ahead and did it, Jeff. I went ahead and asked him. And <laughs> <laughs> Why not, right? <laughs> you never know. Um, Jeff Mays, our guest, and we're talking about the Daytona 200, which just took place. The uh, did you have some good time down there in, in Daytona in Volusia County? Did you did you uh, go down on Main Street and see that ridiculousness? No, I, I didn't, man. I'm getting old, and it was all business. I was there to have fun and race and try to make a little bit of money and uh, put on a good show for the fans and my sponsors, and you know, see what see where it ended up. Um, I still want to win that race. I think, uh, you know, going back to what you said, 
you know, about Daytona and its relevance, I think at the end of the day, you're never going to see an asterisk next to someone's name and go, oh, it wasn't part of Moto America or AMA. No. You know, the day, it's, you won the Daytona 200, man. You're going down in history, just like the, all the other guys that did it before us, you know. Nobody looks at what the circumstances were. Um, so I'm going to keep going back until I stamp my name on that trophy. Nice. And, I mean, it's uh, it's it's no joke. You guys, There's a lot of work that goes to it. It was a lot of work, man, a lot of moving parts. The team is super important. I mean, you saw that with, you know, Sean Dillon Kelly. He wouldn't have even had a shot at being on the podium if it wasn't for the red flag because, you know, he had an issue in the pits, as did a lot of guys. And that's, you know, you got to have a solid crew of five guys you got to bring in for this race that, you know, are very handy at what they do. they got to work in unison. Um, so it's there's a, a million and one things that go into it. And at the end of the day, sometimes none of it even matters. It's just... It's like the gods of Daytona. You know, they have their own mind. We can either goes your way or it doesn't. You're, uh, we, BJ called you the, the world. Well, he said the country. I think you said the world's fastest banker. Um, but you're sponsored by them, right? Your your employer to go racing and do this. Is that right? Yeah. So I started with Ameris Bank and uh, right before Christmas. And they came on board as a sponsor as well. Because I showed what I've done the previous year with the previous bank I was with the CBC National Bank, both mortgage banks, both pretty sizable banks, and uh, it's a very good form of advertising. Um, you know, as we all we all have a passion for racing, um, you know, it's a business, right? People need to buy homes, people need to refinance, people need money, people sell their home, get another home, whatever. Um, the average life cycle of a mortgage is four years, so. Uh, I've made a very good name for myself in the sport and made sure I never did anybody wrong or stepped on anybody in any sort of way. And that has carried over into my business as a mortgage banker. And so I go racing and I get business. And that's how you should do sponsorship, right? Is I'm able to give them a five to one return on the money they give me to go racing. So it's it's a perfect marriage. I get to go racing and continue my passion. And then also be successful at business at the same point in time. So we, we had this conversation a year ago, right? We were talking about this, I believe. It was, maybe it was yep. two years ago. But uh, we were talking about, so when you say you, you give them a five-to-one return on their investment, are you are you selling mortgages to your fellow, to the guys you're competing with? Not so much. I mean, at the club racing level, yes. Um, but... You know, it, it's a tight-knit community. Um, I have a lot of guys that I've done business with through the Weira forum, Weira board. People reach out, for, you know, have a question about anything. They go on there and say, hey, guys, what about this? And um, I've had a lot of people that have spoke very highly of me, which has given me a lot of business. Um, and I've, I'm not a sales guy, right? Like, I've never been good at sales. I've always been very analytical with the motorcycle. I've been a development rider, so... I approach you know, mortgages the same way where it's like, hey, here's your options. They're just numbers. It's not trying to sell anybody on anything. And I think people think that's refreshing and they feel like they can trust me just knowing who I am, right? Like, I know this guy. He's not just some random Joe Schmo that I have to deal with. So it's, it seemed to have done pretty well. I'm I don't I don't know. I'm I'm really good at paying the mortgage on time, but I don't think I could compete in the Daytona 200. I'm not sure it's the same thing, Jeff. I'm not sure. 
Uh, <laughs> they're, they're, they're very different. Okay. They are, they are, are not very fun, I could tell you. That. By comparison. I think everybody knows that. Whatever end of it you're on. What? Uh, so, Tony asked you, but did you get to watch the AFT races at all out there on the TT track? That would have been kind of cool to see. Were you, were you around at the facility at that hour of the day? No, you know, the best I got was I was within earshot. I could hear the guys announcing it. And I didn't hear all my fellow road racers that were taking part in here. Rispoli and Pegram and... Uh, Lewis was out there and J.D. Yeah, out there. J.D., all those guys. So it was cool hearing their names. So we were we were in the garages over there in the NASCAR, the yellow garages, doing pit stops and uh, getting ready for the race. So... Like I said, it was it was pretty much all business. It's a tight little window. You get in there Thursday afternoon and got one day of Friday to get after it on the bike, and then you race Saturday, and it's over. It's a quick shot. Yeah. I've got a plan next year, and I'll probably, if it comes together, and it's all circumstance as far that, the why I wouldn't be able to. If there's no reason not at this point where I shouldn't be able to do this, but my plan is to go down there and watch the Supercross race the GNCC on Sunday, which is an hour north, the off-road race. Come back Monday, watch the amateur racing, or not. Um, Tuesday, they have a vintage motocross class or a race there. And I've got like a CR500 and who knows what else I'll bring down there. And then spend Thursday watching the, the TT and then and then uh, watch the 200. I've I've been there, but I've, I, it's been a long time. So I, maybe next year I'll get to see get to see you win that trophy or that watch and that uh, big payday for you. That'd be awesome, man. I'll put you uh, put you in the hot pits. You can hang out and see it firsthand. You know. There's uh there's quite a bit of amateur racing on the on the oval, right? All week long, there's CCS races or Azra races, one or the other. Yeah, you got CCS and they have novice class. So you got guys that you know, in theory could be their first weekend road racing ever. Going out there on day tennis. Oh my! A lot of fun to watch. Can we bring a bike for you, PJ? <laughs> we sign you up in the C class. <laughs> Thank. I think I my road racing days are probably behind me. Track days are where I'm at now. All right. Never know, man. Hey, BMW pays contingency in the novice class. I know. I know. Don't you have a BMW? They've got. Uh, no, I don't currently have a BMW. The maybe the three ten, the G three ten. They call it. I think they're three hundred. Yeah, they pay contingency in that one too. Yeah, the lightweights. Put your, put your money where your mouth is, man. Go go get some. I, th- I think that was Tony putting his money where my mouth is because I <laughs> I don't have a pension to go racing much anymore. I ain't got much money either, yeah, so it's going to be a short career. Yep, you fit in just fine. Either the <laughs> Jeff, I, I want to. I might take you up on it next year. It'll be fun. I'll get. Uh, I'm sure they'd give us press credentials, but I I think it'd be a lot cooler to hang out with you guys. Maybe you could put me to work doing something. I don't know what. I could definitely let you hold the fire extinguisher. I know that. That's, that's Man, for I've, sure. I've held one, too, and I am good at it. <laughs> Jeff, do you set up, I mean, you're, you made mention of your business, and it, it is, uh, you know, the wave of the future, I think, is is guys like you. You're not the only one, but guys who really uh, are doing their sponsors uh, slash employers a real service by, you know, representing them completely, even in uh, what you're doing and what they're sponsoring you for. Do you, like, set up a table? You got flyers and stuff to get guys, uh, you know, in contact with you who might have an interest in using your service. It's exactly. I mean, it's it's 
it's actually kind of in, in with the poster, right, where the poster has my information on it as well so people can get a hold of me, and then we have a lot of little, you know, some cool giveaways. This, this weekend we were giving away piggy banks that I was autographing. It was, it was kind of cool, you know, just especially the kids love the piggy banks, and then it seemed like the adults are nostalgic about it. So that was one little cool giveaway we had. And, and everybody's got to have a koozie, of course, right, because you're a Daytona Bike Week, and you got to keep that beverage cold. So, Absolutely right, and you get the piggy bank home with them. It's got your name on it. Yeah, you uh, your sponsor wins right then and there. We got the piggy bank where the money is. Money in the bank. What you don't want to do is give away pocket knives because a lot of them are flying in, and we've learned that the hard way hosting our own little parties and stuff with Pit Pass over the years. We did a thing in Vegas one time after the U.S. Open, I think it was. Nobody got to keep the knife. You know, it was a surprise. It was it was a big surprise to us. When we were, wait a minute, nobody gets to take it home. We weren't thinking they were bad. They were really cool watches or uh, uh, pocket knives, but uh, you got to put it in your check bag. That's the only way it's going to get home. Yep. Well. But but when you're in Vegas, you don't think about it, and you're just kind of fuzzy, and you're you're kind of stumbling out of the cab to the to the you know the airport, and you got it in your pocket still, and you go to dump it out, and you're like, oh, and then you realize it dawns on you, I just spent a thousand bucks on pocket knives that nobody's that are not going to make it home that are not that are going to go in a dumpster. Yep. Yeah, a bunch of TSA guys got them at least. Yeah, right? I buy I buy a lot of knives from TSA lots. Actually, that's where a lot of my knives come from. Oh, really? Absolutely. You can do that. There on the very forum that Jeff mentioned, the Wera forum. There's a guy who makes a habit of it. Whenever he comes across a, a TSA lot, you can buy by brand on eBay. So he buys the lot, then he resells them to all of us motorcycle dorks on the Wera forum, the BBS. Oh wow. You never know what you're going to find on there. You, you can pretty much find anything you need. You can find a banker, as we've now mentioned multiple times. You can find Jeff May out there. He's got a post. You can find an ambulance to haul sport bikes. Absolutely. With. I've, I, I, there are ambulances for sale, every kind of track, conveyance, generator, anything you need to go to a racetrack or buy a home, I guess. That that range, it's there. You got some really good advice on there. You got Josh Hayes piping up on there. And then uh, myself, we were chiming in on some comments. But then you have some really bad advice on there. Oh, yeah. You'll get, you'll get, it's the internet still. So you get a fair bit of bad advice. <laughs> you got to measure it's it. comical. Jeff, what do you think of this? That I've been saying this for a while that the social media is, and the Weir Forum is a different deal, I think. I, I, there's accountability there and there's, for the most part, I think it's... There's moderators that don't pull any punches. Really helps a lot. Right. But with Facebook and that sort of thing, man, there is just... It's like the dumpster of the internet is in social media. And I think social media has played a part. First, it was really cool. As a guy that owns a racetrack, it was a game changer. Oh, my gosh. I can, I can advertise my stuff for free, and I still do it. And that's why I'm on social media. That is it, period. And I'll show stuff of my personal stuff here and there and whatever just to keep me relevant and so people don't know that I'm just a commercial the whole time. But in a lot of cases, I want to turn the thing completely off. And when the track, there's track bashing and maybe not so much in road racing because, but but definitely with the promoters and the organizers and that kind of thing, man, I think it's detrimental to a race organization. And I, I think it has been probably... Uh, part of a reason why some of the sponsors don't want to be involved in some of these race programs because what they read on the internet do you think that's some, somewhat true Jeff? I think that it's there's not many positives to it um, you know this is going to show my age but 
back when I was racing for Michael Jordan, the, the new thing called Twitter that came out, you know, and Facebook. And they're like, hey, we created these accounts for you. I'm like, well, what is this? You know, I was just figuring out how to do email back then. And it, it was, I, I did it because I had to, right? And it's a very minimal level. And what I've seen transition over the last 10 years, I mean, this was 2008 is that it has devalued sponsorship big time because racing used to be about hiring the best guy because the best guy was going to get you TV time. Well, TV became too expensive. People didn't want sponsors. They didn't want to pay for TV anymore. And then so they started taking these guys that could buy rides that were maybe subpar, not as quick. And with social media, anyone could look like a hero. And it has degraded the sport in many ways, I believe, and just devalued it to where sponsorship is really hard to get now. And nobody really knows where to invest their money, right? Because all these sponsors want to get a return on their investment. That's why they do it. It's advertising. Um, And social media, Facebook, it's always changing, too. So you can't really get a handle on it. Not too long ago, it was pretty good, right? Um, I don't know when it happened, but... At some point, I realized a few years ago that all my fans couldn't see what I was posting, that all of a sudden I had to pay for them to see what I was saying. And I think that's when it took the real turn for the worst, is when people that actually want to follow you, like a forum, and they want to see what you're saying, and they can't see it because you're not paying for it, I think that's pretty bogus. And uh, So, yeah, I'm not really a fan of it. I think it's kind of become a necessary evil but I don't like it. When I first started my racetrack, I would fax, I would send faxes to the parts department and say, please post this about the races this coming month or week or whatever. (laughs) And when the internet, you know, when the social media, I'm like, oh my word, it's just so easy. And I I wholeheartedly agree with you, Jeff. I think that it's, it's totally screwed up. So many things, you know, and, and not knowing if, if you're seeing my posts or whatever. So I put it out there. Hey, this is important news or whatever, but half the people don't see it. And then they're, well, let's say we have a rain out and they're ticked off at me. And it's like, oh, I put it on everything. Well, I'm, they're not seeing it, you know? So, yeah, I agree with you. And, and it, man. People, I'll tell you another thing that's happened is uh, my, my suit sponsors, 1X Custom Suits, uh, my my exhaust sponsor is M4 Exhaust, and I've had firsthand knowledge from both of them that have said people call them and buy what they see me using at the racetrack. Not on Facebook, not on Instagram, but they see me at the racetrack mm-hmm. breaking track records and hauling ass, and they go, I want what he's got. And they go and they buy it. It is coming so full circle. I, I think it's going full circle back to the old grassroots got to be present you got to pound the pavement got to go out there and be positive about the people that support you and facebook is and all that is kind of maybe becoming less relevant which is a good thing i would have to agree yes it's coming full circle and in other words it was a shortcut for a lot of people who uh, initially thought they could just shortcut their way to easy advertising and lots of penetration and you still have to do the basics uh 
the le- I, I, I'm agreeing completely with you, Jeff, and I think you as well, Tony. It's you. You have to do a good job. Step one, that and then work, people man. are gonna care. Do the work, and people are then gonna care. It's the same in any workplace as it is at a racetrack, and in getting sponsored dollars. The same lessons are gonna continue to pay off. Yeah, do what you can with what you have. Maximize it. I've enjoyed watching Johnny Rock Page on his social media, however, and and President Trump. It's been quite. Yeah, they're they're the they are literally the examples we're speaking of. If this is how I don't ever want to be associated with doing it, there would be those two right there. Oh man! Hey, everybody loves to watch a good dumpster fire, right? Yeah, they really do. I mean, I guess they do. Um, that's that's sad but true yes <laughs> well jeff we appreciate you uh taking we, it was really a long segment actually longer than we expected and it's been really good and uh we we should have you on again soon yeah man enjoy guys anytime i love i love uh hanging out and chatting with you guys it's good times all right well you hopefully we'll get to see you on another racetrack at some point this year i know it may or may not happen jeff have you got plans uh, I got something that happened because of Daytona, man. The uh, Maris guys, the executives showed up, and they really liked what they saw, and Road Atlanta is right in our backyard. So there's a very good chance I'll be on the Superbike grid in two to three weeks. There, two and a half weeks, Road Atlanta, round one, Moto America. Well, no rush on putting your deal together. It's, you got a couple weeks, so, hey. Yeah, I'll just wing it, man. Why not? <laughs> That's a good thing about being a veteran, right? You can just show up and do it. You know what you're doing. So to, uh, I wanted to ask you this, and we're way almost the show's almost over. But I wanted to ask you: You say it's expensive to go racing the 200. I've always wondered, and I know it's subjective because you can do it a lot of different ways. But what kind of ballpark is it with equipment, even, and just the travel and, and the team and everything? Well, I mean, it, it really depends on what level of sponsorship you have, even down to products and stuff. Luckily for me, I get a lot of support on the product end. But even with that being said, um, I don't have a tire wheel. Um, I've, I've put myself in a position where I don't really have to pay for tires. Dunlop's been really good to me over the years. And that's a huge piece for a lot of guys, right? Uh, but even that being said, this year I spent over $10,000 to do yeah. the race. And that didn't that, that number's a lot less than what I thought you were going to say. So, and, and, and I know that's with a lot of support so yeah I, lot of support. and i keep i keep it small man i have a van i don't have a big you know rig and a big trailer and all that i have a small trailer and a little van and i keep my cost low and and maximize the dollars i did get everybody gets a bologna sandwich chris car style <laughs> I spent Jay, baby. I spent quite a bit of time with talking to Chris Carr today. I got some really cool stuff that I'm going to announce here, really, really soon. What that I'm doing with Chris, I'm pretty stoked on it. Jeff, uh, out of time. We really appreciate it. Okay. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, uh, Jack. We don't. We're, we blew through all the breaks, so we're going to just do a yeah. Just stay here till the end. Ten four. I want to congratulate Austin Forkner, who has had one heck of a. a season so far in the in the 250 east and he really is um the man to be in 250 i think he's going to have a, a fun time with 
AC, Adam C. and Cirillo, his teammate, actually, in the West. But when it comes down to it and they have the shootout, what are your thoughts, BJ? I, 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 I'm I'm currently on for, Team Forkner. I've been saying, uh, you know, it sounded like all the talking heads and the very wise uh, veterans of the sport are thinking C. and Cirillo is going to have his way with him. I think it's going to be a real battle. I spoke with some some guys that are in that class off air, you know, obviously I'm not going to put them on the spot or back them into a corner. I've talked to some of the guys that are with the other teams, a team owner, uh, just about that scenario because it's just interesting to me. I like both the guys. I really like Austin. He, he grew up racing, you know, at our track and, and uh, you know, we've he's a local kid for us. And then uh, we've sponsored him at Wiseco all through his career and we still are through JE. Um, and then AC, he's he, he's he was the most intelligent speaking kid that when he came out of Loretta's and we thought man he's going to just light the world on fire and he has and I he, mean he really has he just had some bad luck well you've been listening to Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly from the Pit Pass Radio Network we'll see you next week May I have your attention, please? Excuse me. Are you listening to me? Thank you. The preceding was an exclusive presentation of Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, a division of Pit Pass Radio LC. Any use of this copyrighted material without the express written consent of Pit Pass Radio LC is strictly prohibited. Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast.